The Lord's been good. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read 10 verses. And this is when Jesus is talking and he's giving, a, giving some parables to, to, to these men. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll read Luke chapter 15. If you can turn the lights down a little bit up here so this can be seen a little bit better. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. It says this, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners here to hear him. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinner and eateth with them. He spake this parable unto them, saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh, cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which, which was lost. I, I say unto you that likewise... Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons, which need, need no repentance. It says in verse number eight, what, either, either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Isn't it great to know that God's seeking after us? As we look at this, um, if you go to the next portion of Scripture, this is a portion of Scripture that deals with the prodigal son. Now it's got two, uh, he's got two sons and one goes off and he comes back and he rejoices over that one coming back. And we all know the story of that. But you know what's interesting about both all these stories is they found something that they had lost. They were seeking after something. And so I, I, I wanted you to look at verse number 5, how it starts. It says, and when he hath found it. You know what's the most important thing is when you lose something? Finding it. Don't you love it when you lose something and the first question they ask you is what? Where was the last place you saw it? Well, if I would have known that, I wouldn't have to ask. My wife would never say that to me, would you, honey? No, sometimes, sometimes people say things and you go, what in the world were they thinking? I, I did not know, if you're visiting with us, I am colorblind. I did not know my shirt was purple until I put it on. And my wife said, oh, that's a purple shirt. I was like, that's fine. So I'm sitting in the, in the foyer today. And I said, I hope I don't look like Barney the, the dinosaur. And I thank, thank the Lord for just some spiritual people because I'm going to go over here to Teresa. Teresa looks at me and says, don't worry about it, Pastor. Your, your arms are longer than his. <laughs> that made me feel a lot better, amen? Praise God. All right. When you lose something, you want to find it. And when he hath found it, he rejoiced. Then look at the next one in, in verse number 9. And, and when she hath found it. It's interesting when you read these stories that, that Jesus is giving, when they find something, they tell everybody about it. They bring their family over. They say, look what we found. I'll never forget when we, there's two stories I was thinking about trying to find people. If you've ever been on a trip, especially with young people, you have to keep account of them all the time. One particular time we went on a senior trip in my last ministry and we went to Disney, Disney World and there were 17 of them. I estimated by the time we got done with that whole week, I'd probably counted to 17 over a thousand times. 
And you know what's interesting? It's always the same one that's not there. I could have counted to one and I'd have been all right because everybody else would have been there. Remember another time we went on a, a, a trip and we took some teenagers and we had a lot of teenagers that trip. I think we had 105 teenagers on this trip. We were traveling and we stopped to, of course, I've never understood how, why girls have to go to the bathroom together in herds, but they do. And so they all go to the bathroom, and, went, and then we, 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 they say, I'd say, okay, we're going to get back on the bus and leave. And then that one person had to go to the bathroom, walking back with a big gulp. And I'm like, why are you doing that? I remember stopping at a particular stop, and we counted. And we were down two. We had 103 kids that were accounted for. You know, I could have looked at it and said, hey, that's pretty good odds. we got at least 99% of the kids here. Let's go ahead and leave. We'll teach them a lesson. How many of you ever left church and left your kids here? Anybody ever done that? Ever, anybody ever been to church and left one child back? We have. I thought she had taken them home. She had thought I had taken them home. And I thought, oh, they're going to be devastated. No, they were playing hide-and-go-seek in the auditorium. If I would have said with those teenagers, listen, I got 103 out of 105, that's pretty good percentages. You know who would have been upset when I got back? Well, maybe they would have. Their parents would have been upset. But when you find them, what happens? You want to rejoice about it. And when you've lost something, what do you do? You seek it. So I'm, I'm trying to get to this 2020, what we want 2020 to be. What do you want 2020 to be in your life? What do you want it to be? Do you want it just to be, as we looked at it before, do you want it to be just... I want it to be the first one. I want it to be great. Or do you just want to do this and average another year? And then we have this which says a bad year. When it comes to spiritual applications in your life, you want it to be a great year, hopefully. That's what I'm praying for. Got a phone call from Brother Birch. We've already mentioned it. He's a deacon of a church and he's 55 years old and he passed away of a massive heart attack. I'm 53 years old. Is that right? I'll be 54 this year. You know, that hits home when you start thinking about it. You sit there and go, you know, 55 is not that old. And they said he was very athletic, did hiking and all this other stuff. So I look at it and I think, you know, I, I want, this could be one of my last years on this earth. Do I want it just to be average? Average is just like everybody else. No, I want, I want my life to have a great year in 2020. And so I want my wife to have a great year. I want my kids to have a great year. I want this church to have a great year. But what are we doing in 2020? We talked about there's five things we're going over. The first beginning, beginning it says reading. You've got to read to have a good 2020. Well, I'll just wait for the movie. No, you need to read. Second thing you need to do is you need to talk. You need to talk to the Lord. You need to prayer life talked about following last, last week, about how we should follow what God tells us to do. And we talked about tithing last week. And that's something that's either you're doing or you're not doing. We've got to make sure we do this. But tonight, today we're going to talk about seeking. Next week we're going to talk about doing. Next week's um, Sunday is called I Love My Church Sunday. We've got people. Bernard, could you use somebody at, the, at um, Brookdale? Oh, absolutely. Brother Brown, could you use somebody helping you with the, with the um, ministry of the prisons? 
Um, if I were to, Tamara, I think she's in the back, but if, if I were to say, do we need help, help in the nursery? Probably. Terry, do we need help out, up, upstairs with the kids? It's good to be, have needs. We could say, oh, I'm gonna, I love the Lord, I love the church, but I'm not going to do anything. That's not what God called us to do. He called us to do something. So we're going to look at seeking. And what are you seeking? What do people seek? You know, when I was thinking about this, I, I asked myself a couple questions. I'm going to ask you these. First one is this. What does it take for me to seek Him? What does it take for me to seek Christ? Some of us are hard-headed. Anybody been like that? What does it take for me to seek Him? Do you have to do more than one time to learn your lesson? What about this question? How does God get me to seek Him? You know, because God knows me. Does God know you? Absolutely knows you. And so He knows your strengths and weaknesses. How does God get, get me to seek Him? And the last one, what has to happen? I mean, what has to happen for me to seek Him? That's a pretty rough question to ask because some people, they just want to do their own thing. You know, we're, we're inundated with we need to do what we want. The, the, the world is, is a world that says, hey, just if you like it, do it. That's not what the Bible said. I want you to turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, and let's look at a story. Matthew chapter 6, and I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 6. I love the book of Matthew, probably my, my favorite gospel out of all four of them. got more writings and more notes in my Bible than anything in Matthew in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, I love because Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he's sitting them down and he's saying in, the, in this um, Sermon on the Mount, he's telling them what's important. I want you to go to verse number 31 and I want you to see this. It says, therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all these things. Do you think God knows you need to eat? I think God knows Americans eat enough. Amen? I think we drink enough. And then it says uh, of, of your raiment, what you're wearing, we have a lot of clothes. God takes care of us. He takes, puts a roof over our head. And sometimes we worry about that. But look what the Bible says. It says in the next verse, in verse number 33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't you think God understands us? He wants us to seek Him before we seek other things. And we get this out of order a lot, right? My mom used to always say this thing, You get in the cart before the what? Horse. I never understood that growing up because I never had a horse. So he said, Son, you're getting a cart before the horse. We've got to get this in the right order. So a lot of times, we think about ourselves, then we think about God. But in this verse, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. But you know what I like about God? That he, he, as He's illustrating this to us, and Jesus is talking to His disciples, which, by the way, gave up everything. They had nothing other than what they could carry on their back. I always think about that. How many of you have a favorite pillow? Man, I love pillows. 
I've got a full body pillow. I've got three other pillows I sleep with. You know, every so often I'll, I'll let my wife sleep in the bed with me, but I need the pillows, amen? I love pillows. Can you imagine not really knowing where you're going to lay your head out the next night? That's what these guys gave up. And some of them gave up very lucrative businesses. The fishermen, they had a job, and they, they could make some good money at it. They knew their business. I think it's interesting that he goes after fishermen, and he says, listen, I'll make you fishers of men. They understood what fishing was. They didn't understand everything that he was going to tell them, but they would. But look at this verse in verse number 33. It says this, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and look at these next, don't forget these next one, and his righteousness. Not your goals, your ambitions, but seek ye first. You say, well, that's easy for you as a preacher. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher or a businessman. You've got to seek something. What are you seeking? The Bible says this, it says, but seek, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then look at this. And all these things, referring back to what was above, him, above this, shall be added unto you. You know, when I go to the preacher's fellowship, it's, there's one this week, that we are never short on food. Never. We have numerous, numerous types of food. We have numerous types of desserts. We have numerous ty types of fried chicken. We have numerous types of desserts, num and, and you, can't have you have to have coffee. I'm not a big coffee drinker, but there's coffee everywhere. The Bible says, listen, if we get the right perspective on this, and we seek His will first, and what He wants us to do, and all of His righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. We don't even realize how blessed we truly are. Usually when you get out, to your, out in your park, uh, driveway, you have usually more than one option to choose between the cars. Some of you have cars that you just don't hardly use unless it's not raining. I'm looking at you, brother. Do you have a car that you drive, that if it rains, will you drive that car? No. You know, there's cars that you... We have so much in abundance, and I'm glad God blessed us. We've got to seek Him first. Look at the next verse, verse number 34. It says, Take therefore no, th no thought of for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day of the evil thereof. You know, when I think of that verse, I think of some of the things we've studied about when we're, when we're going over Moses' life, how he provided food, water, quail, for over a million people. And then he said, listen, on the day before the Sabbath, take two portions. He even prepared them for that. He could have said, I want you to fast on the Sabbath. There's times in the Bible that there's fast. There's times in the Bible where they make their animals fast. Do animals understand fasting? No. If I don't feed my dogs, they come and see me. I'm their best friend. We've got to understand that God wants us to seek Him first and His kingdom and His righteousness. So often, we don't want to do that. So how do we seek Him first? Well, first of all, we've got to realize a couple things. Where is our strength from? Well, our strength should come from God. It should come from God. 
I know people that rely on their own strength to do things. Have you ever made this statement? I've been through this before. I can handle this. I think we've got some teachers in here. You ever had a problem, child? I can handle this child. And then all of a sudden, they throw you a curveball. Where did that come from? Sometimes you sit there and go, wow, I just don't know where, how I'm going to be able to do this. Well, I just want to show you some things. The Bible talks about God being our strength. We can't, we can't get through this. There's a young lady right now that lost her 55-year-old husband and had no idea what was going on that was going to happen the day before, even the day of. Now she's going to a funeral home getting some arrangements she didn't see it coming. She can't do this on her own strength. She needs God as her strength. That's why we need to pray for her. Say, well, they go to a different church. Wouldn't you want their prayers? I don't know how Rock Heritage is going to do with, with their, their, their services, but we need to pray for them. Just to show you this really quick, you think God wants to be our strength? When I think of one of the best Christians ever walked the face of the earth, one that was said he had a heart after God. Who was that? David. Did you know in the book of Psalms, these are all Psalms that have to do with God being our strength. Let's go to the highlighted one. Go to Psalm 84.5. Psalm 84.5. I want to read this verse to you. Psalm 84.5. Psalm 84, 5 says this. It says, Blessed is a man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. Talking about going and letting God be your strength. There's been times in my life where I had to sit back and go, Lord, I don't know how I can do this. I need your strength. As a preacher, sometimes people don't like you all the time. It's hard to believe. And you have to go and you have to work with people who don't like you. So you have to, and I'm not, looking, I'm not looking at anybody here, okay? I'm just saying there's times when you have to just get through it. And same way with you. If you work anywhere, there are probably some vendors that you do not like. And you probably show it on your face maybe. You know what God wants you to do? Find your strength in Him and just do what's right. And so we've got to see if, if there's this many verses just in Psalms, there's other verses that talks about God is my refuge and strength. In a current time of trouble, hmm, I was thinking about this. How do we, how, how do we give ourselves over to seeking God? Well, I came up with this when I was studying. God needs us to be one of two things. You're going to say it's exactly opposite what the world will say. You know what the world's going to tell you? You're strong enough to do this. You ever seen those Gatorade commercials? It's like those guys never run out of energy. They're fine. They can run up those steps. You know, I, I run down the steps to get a hot dog, run up the steps to sit down, amen? But I'm not about to run up the steps and down the steps and up the steps and down the steps. I'm just not going to do that. But you see these commercials and it's talking about how strong they are. You know what God wants us to be? wants us to be weak. I'll show you some verses about that. 
And if you're not weak, you know what else he wants you to be? Because there's our people that over here that says, I can find my strength in anything that I do, and I don't need God, but we do need God. But then there's the other side of it that have already understood that they've got to be weak to do what God wants them to do. And you know what they need to be? They need to be meek. I never, I've never thought in one day of my life when I've read the scriptures, when I read the crucifixion of Christ, that he was a weak individual. But I do understand that he was a meek individual. And that's hard to do. So God needs us, if we are going to seek after Him and not seek after our will, He needs us to be weak or meek. Let's look at some of these things in here. The word um, weak, not strong, liable to yield, break or collapse under pressure or strain, fragile or frail. You say God wants us to be that way because, yes, because He wants Him to be the source of our strength. You ever done something you go, I just don't know how I finished that. I don't know how I had the right attitude about it. Then you realize that you've been praying and God gave you the strength to get through it. He is my rock. He is my strength. He is my fortress. Don't you love those verses also where it says He is the rod that straightens you out? I always used to love it when my, my dad would come up and say, just, when my mom would say, just wait till your dad gets home. I've got to confess, I prayed that dad just let dad's car break down on the way home, amen, praise the Lord, and, and go that way. I didn't want him to come home. So I knew that he was going to correct me. But if he is my rock and my strength, he's going to correct me also. But he wants us to be weak. Not only this, he wants us to be meek, humbly, patient, overly submissive, tame, gentle, and kind, you say, why would they put the word kind in there? Because God wants us to be tender-hearted and kind one to another. And it's not just the people that love us. It's the people that hate us also. See, we're either going to believe that Jesus died for everyone or He just died for the good ones. Which one was it? He died for everyone. So let's look at this. Strong. If I, if I were to ask you this, who is the strongest person that was in the Bible? Physically, who was the strongest person? Everybody knows it. What's the story? Samson. So what did he do? You think he was weak and meek? No, he was arrogant. You know what God had to do? God had to get him to a point where he was weak or meek. And I don't want to have to have that happen in my life. He, he, he put him in a situation where at the very end, yes, his hair was growing back, but what did he say? He said, Lord, give me the strength I need to get through this. And you know what it cost him? It cost him his life. But God had to get him to the point where it wasn't about him. You can almost feel when you, when you read the story of Samson, and he was a judge for Israel. You, could almost, you almost can feel that he's conceited and all about himself. He didn't have to listen to the rules. That's why he ate the honey out of the carcass. I know that's a rule, but I can do whatever I want. Look who I am. God's got to get us out of that position. Well, you say, well, you don't understand who I am. I understand who I am, and I know what God has to do. He has to get me either meek or weak. And so, let's look at the next statement. It says, you've got to let your guard down. Let's look at this story real quick. Go to Psalm 139. 
Psalm 139. This is my favorite psalm of all scriptures. Psalm 139. Of course, David wrote this. And there's something in this that I love. For me to seek Him, I've got to constantly be looking for Him. How do I get to that point? Look at the first verse. It says this, it says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and, and known me. Thou hast known my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Well, all these ver verbs are what? In the past. But David had to get to the point where it wasn't about the past, it was about the present. Look at the last part. Verse number 23. Now it's not, Thou hast searched me, it's search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the path everlasting. Do you think he's seeking God at this point? Absolutely he is. He's a man after God's own heart. And we know all of his sins. What was one of his sins he had? Bathsheba. He constantly was trying to ask God for forgiveness for it. And he was seeking God's face and understood he lost a child through it. And yet he still sought after God. That's why when his son would come to take his, take his throne, he did not try to take it back from him or fight his son. He understood that it was not his battle to win. It was God's battle. When his son died, he wept over the son that was going to take over. Why? Because it wasn't about him anymore. He was seeking those things which were, were not on this earth. It was what God wanted him to do. So let's look at some things about weakness. When you look at weakness, what do you find in weak? There's a couple of verses in here I want you to see. 1 Corinthians 1, 25 says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man. We've got a lot of people that think they're almost God on this earth. It says the foolishness of God is wiser than men. I love this verse. Paul writes this and says, And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Then it keeps going. It says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, um, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for, me, for thee, for my strength, if you underline anything in your Bible, underline these words, made perfect in weakness. We've got to get to the point where we fall to our knees and say, God, what do you want us to do? God, what do you have for me? I'm seeking after you with my whole heart. But I've got to become weak and rely on the strength that he has. It says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of God towards you. There's a couple other verses. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's a chapter of faith. And at one point, it says it talks about their weakness. They were made strong. Some interesting people in, in Hebrews chapter 11. So my attitude must be this. I must be weak and rely on the strength that God gives me. How many of you in here could fix a car if your car broke down? Just be honest with me. Raise your hand. And if it's a lady, raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand. There's only one person that can fix a car in here. No one fixes cars in here. Alan, you better raise your hand. All right, here we go. And we have a um, certified... Um, what is it? Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, certified YouTube mechanic right there. If you want to know how to do it, he YouTubes it, figures it out. Amen? He, did, he put a radiator in my, in my Hummer and I said, have you ever done this before? No, but I looked at YouTube. Oh, praise the praise Lord. God's God is good. Amen? And it hadn't leaked yet. Praise the Lord. And everything on the internet is correct. I, re I relate being weak 
to an automobile. There's other people in this, in this auditorium that fix automobiles. My brother has made his whole life on fixing automobiles. I can call him, ask a question, he'll tell me what I need to do. When my car does something wrong, I don't know what to do with it. I can look it up on YouTube, but I can't find all the answers on, the, on YouTube on my side. And I know when it breaks down, I don't know what it is with me, but I always go, oh no, this is going to cost me $1,000. I start worrying right off the bat. Bernard, do you ever do that? Oh, it's gonna cost, this is going to cost me $2,000. My wife was driving the Hummer and parked it at a, where'd you go? Oh, Sonic, just to get a hot dog, honey. I didn't know it was going to do this, she said, and tried to start it, wouldn't start. I'm driving all the way over. She's over in Johnson City. I'm driving all the way over thinking this is going to cost me a transmission. It's going to be about $2,000. I might have to buy a new car. I might have to get a trailer just to put my car on the trailer, bring it over here, and then I'll have to have Riley look up YouTube and figure out how to fix it. So over two, dollars $3,000, I get over there and I'm like, oh. I, the, the guy, I, I was talking to, I think I was talking to Bobby, and Bobby said, just take your battery out and see what it is and I took the battery out and they went over and I took it to one place and they said yeah your battery's bad and you know what I love about people that are honest the lady looked at me and said listen you didn't buy your battery here but here's where you bought your battery she told me the other company and said they should replace this free of charge because it's still under warranty I wanted to reach around her and give her a hug and say thank you so much So I take it over to the place, and they say, okay, you get a new battery. And I said, how much it costs? Zero. So I go back, and I put the, put the battery in the Hummer, and all of a sudden, it starts right up. So on the way over to Johnson City, I was considering $3,000 new transmission calling Riley to do the YouTube thing. I walked away and didn't pay a dime for it. You know, when I walked out of that store, God said, why can't you just rely on me? i got to make you weak so you can see my strength. And you say, well, that's, that's a weird analogy. I see God do things all the time. But He has to see that we're weak. And by His, by His, by our, by His strength, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. We've got to get back to understanding. Let's talk about meekness. What does God want us to be with meek? Well, there's some verses in here. The meek shall also, also shall increase the joy in the Lord. It says, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Matthew chapter 5, 5 is probably the most common verse people look at. It says, blessed are, are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know the problem is we have with meekness? We like our way. We're all about ourselves. You don't think we are? I loved my kids growing up because I could trick them into anything. I would say, listen, do you want to go to, and we'd drive by a restaurant. It'd be a real expensive restaurant. I'd say, do you want to go by Outback Steakhouse? Would you like to go to Taco Bell? And they'd go, let's go to Taco Bell, Dad. I was like, you just saved me 50 bucks. We're all about ourselves, aren't we? The Bible says in this verse, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Then it says this, Take my yoke upon you and, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. If I am going to seek him, 
I've got to say no to myself and yes to him. How do I do that? I become weak, and through my weakness, I become strong in him. And then I seek him. Or I can become meek and say, Lord, I'm going to just do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to follow your will. Sometimes that's hard to do, isn't it? Jesus loved me so much, he didn't say anything when he was crucified. Put his hands down, they put spikes in his hands, his feet didn't say anything. And at any, any given time, he could have called 10,000 angels and got him off that cross. But he did it because he knew, he, he knew that I needed it, and he did it because he was meek. He was not weak, but sometimes we've got to get weak so that we'll understand we need to follow him. So we got reading. We need to read the Bible. We need to talk to Him. We need to follow Him. We need to seek Him. We need to be doing things for Him. Trying to do rhymes for you so you remember these. Remember the first one. Talked about this. The first one was what? Reading. What is it? Readers are leaders. You want to follow the Lord, you better read your Bible. You're probably wondering, how in the world am I going to make the last one run? Look at the next one. Talkers or walkers. You're visiting with us. The illustration was this. When I talk to God along the way, I walk with Him. I'm in communion with Him. Isn't that a great thing to be? And so we, when, we, when we're walking through life, life's path, we have, a, we have a person that wants to walk with us. He is the one that walks with us, and when we're walking with Him, we're going in the same direction we are talking with Him. Living is giving. Praise the Lord. Living is giving. You say, well, did you take up our offering again today? Yes, we did. We have one every Sunday morning and Sunday night. Before I get to the last point, you know what's going on tonight? What's going on tonight? What? No, church is going on tonight. Amen. <laughs> Who said Super Bowl? So, yeah, I thought you would say that. Josh, control your, your lady here, okay? It's beyond control. We have church tonight. You know, I always pray for the Super Bowl. I always pray that the, per, the, 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 the team that has the most people in church wins. Amen. Is that bad? It's a spiritual application, amen? But we've got to get back to understanding this. Does God want us to seek Him? Where, how do we get to the point of seeking Him? What do we have to do? I am not going to seek Him when I think I can do everything myself. I'm just not going to do it. There's been times when I, when I was working in ministry that I thought, I can do this, I can do this, and all of a sudden it was a flop. Come up with good ideas and we do activities. And, and I remember one particular teenager said, that's not going to be a good activity. I said, it's going to be a good activity, I can do it. And it was a flop. There's other times when I bathe things in prayer and I say, Lord, I, can, I don't know how I can do this. I don't know how I can get through this. I don't know how I can get through this schedule. And you've been there before. I don't know how I can get through this sickness. I don't know how I can do this financial thing. And then I just have to rely on Him. And through my weakness, I am made strong through Him. But then there's that other side where you're already there. Say, listen, Lord, I'm going to be meek and I'm going to do what you want me to do. 
I'm going to say no to myself. I don't have to be weak because I'm already there. I'm meek. It's a step in the right direction. I say, Lord, I want, to, I want to get through this, and I want you to be glorified through the whole thing. That's how you make 2020 a good thing. A good year. I want it to be a great year. Stepped on the scale the other day, and I thought, man, I've just been eating a little bit less food all the time, and I've already lost three pounds. Then I get excited, and I go eat on a Sunday, and then I gain the three pounds back. Amen? We've got to make sure we're seeking what God wants us to do. And it's just not a coincidence that we go through this. God wants us to be weak through His strength. God wants us to be meek because God wants us to seek Him. Christian life is not easy. Seeking Him is not easy. We must find God and seek after Him. If seeking Him was easy, Christian life would be easy. That's just not the case. Christian life is a very hard life. The Bible says we are ambassadors. The Bible says that we are good soldiers. To be a good soldier, what, what must you be? You better have the training. You better understand the warfare. You better understand your enemy. And you know what we need to do in our life to make 2020 best is to make sure we're seeking after Him. So we need to make sure we're readers. We need to make sure we're walkers. We need to make sure we're living as giving. And the fourth one is this. Meek or weak will, will make us seek. If we're weak or meek, it will make us seek Him. Don't rely on your own strength. This is what I'm begging you to do in this auditorium. Let your guard down to God. We are nobody. God is everything. You know, we look at all these flags in here. A missions conference is a month away. Every one of these flags means some, somebody that we're, we're supporting. Some of the flags mean more than one family. You know what they need us to be? They need us to seek the Lord for their sake. Amen? They need us to seek the Lord so we can pray for them, so we can support them, not only financially through prayer life and all the things that we must do for them, but what are we doing with seeking them? It's just going to be an average year. You get up and do the same thing over and over. If you're reading His Word, you're talking to Him. You're following Him. And then you're seeking after Him. You know, next week's going to be very easy if you're doing all four of those. Because you know what, after that, you must be doing things for that's what next week's all about. You'll see when you get back here. But I want us to understand that we've got some responsibilities to seek after Him. 2020 should not just be another year. It's already flying by. By the way, it's February. Right? What happened to January? Went by pretty quick, didn't it? You say, well, why, why are you so putting this at us because last week Birches had no idea that they would lose a family we are not guaranteed any time we're just guaranteed now we must have great 
What's 2020 going to be for you? Bless God, I can do it myself. No, you can't. Can't do it ourselves. We need God's strength. We need His refuge. We need to rock on which we stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed.